0: Aloha, and thank you for joining us here once again on the New Hope Legacy podcast. In this episode, Pastor Trenton is going to continue on the series, Laws of the Harvest. This week, we take a closer look at how creating healthy margins and boundaries in our lives actually allow us to live generously. Let's dive in. It's good to see you all today. Happy Sunday, everybody. Good to see you all here. Thank you to everybody joining us online. I can't see you, but I know you're there, and, and I've been finding out more and more the last few weeks just how many Ohana members we have online. I just want to say thank you all for joining us today. We'd love to meet you in person at some point, so come on down. Baptism on the 28th. I'm excited about this. This uh, this last year, we've seen a, a number of baptisms take place. The bulk of them have been from our kids ministry, and that just makes me all kinds of excited to know that our children are receiving God's word poured into their hearts. There's transformation happening that's going to save them from some of the heartache that I've walked through in life. Amen. I don't want my kids to have to go through some of the stuff that I've been through. And introducing them at this age to the Savior is the best way that they can learn wisdom and not the consequences. Right? I'm excited. But we don't just baptize the kids. If you're here today or even listening online, you want to get baptized, please let me know. Sign up. Get your name on the list. And on the 28th, we're going to be doing that. Um, Also, one quick thing. Our women's ministry mentioned to me. uh, Margaret mentioned right before service. Our women's ministry this coming weekend is going to be having an event for the women. So sign up out in the Ohana room. Got all the details out there. My invitation got lost in the mail again. Would you believe it? It's terrible. It's terrible. All right, well today we're continuing our series, Laws of the Harvest, that we began a couple of weeks ago. Last week we talked about some gardening tips and the idea that some of the most profound things in life are the most simple. and Some of the most simple things in life are the most profound. So last week we talked about planting the right seeds in the right field and getting the right growing conditions. And if you didn't catch that one, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. One of the specific things that we touched on was the idea that improving the growing conditions in your life is about improving the condition of the soil. And the soil is improved by compost. Compost comes from a great big pile of garbage that's treated and handled in the right way. It's been kind of interesting this last week as I've been getting calls and hearing testimonies from people. There's some garbage that some folks have been walking through. But by the grace of God, that garbage can get turned into a nice pile of compost and reap a harvest. Amen? Amen. The same trash pile can either become a pile of steaming maggots or compost. I won't tell you which one we have at our house. This week we're going to talk about how does the master want us to plant and harvest. Last week, we talked about some of the the rules, the parameters around sowing and reaping, but it's important not just to do the right things, but to do it in the right way. And if we're going to do God's stuff, then we got to do it God's way. So we need to understand how this, uh, this process is supposed to work in our life. What is the way that we are to operate as we reap a harvest in our life? How many of y'all uh, got the call from your dad to hold a flashlight from time to time when you're growing up? I think that's kind of a dad thing. If you're working on a project, you're buried under the hood of the car. Somebody, give me a flashlight. You come over there. You hold the flashlight. Here's my flashlight. You're holding the flashlight. And if you're like me, when I was about five years old, I was holding the flashlight, watching the butterflies, watching all the dogs run by and the birds fly. Hold the flashlight. I'm holding it, Dad. Hold, no, hold, hold the flashlight. Anybody have that happen to you? Okay, my boys still get that from time to time. It's important not just to do the right stuff. You got to do it in the right way. You don't just hold the flashlight. You got to do it in the right way and make sure you're aiming at the right place because we can do all the right things in the wrong way and miss the whole point. Today, our big idea is that margins and boundaries allow the master to use the harvest as he desires. Margins and boundaries allow the master to use the harvest as he desires. And I encourage you to take notes. If you don't have an outline, raise your hand. I know one of our ushers will be happy to get that to you. But there's something powerful about writing down the things that we learn. We're going to start today in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you'd open your Bibles with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Starting in verse number 10, we read these words. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing... And increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. This is the purpose for which we have a harvest in our life. This is the, the Master's harvest, this is his purpose for the harvest that we reap. Thought number one for you today, if you're taking notes, start now. Margins make me abundant. Margins make me abundant. Margins are interesting things. My mom was a a, a seamstress. She would sew clothes and, and fix clothes and repair the torn out knees of my jeans frequently growing up. I don't know how many seamstresses we have here today, but I know very little about sewing, but there's one thing that I learned from my mom, and especially as I hit that growing phase in my early teen years, is that margins are important. Margins are critical. That the margin is the, the extra stuff on the edge that you're not currently using, but it's there for a reason. We see margins in different places in life. We see them in our clothes. We see them on the edges of, of notebooks. That uh, maybe the teacher grades and hands back with little notes written in the margins, and hopefully you see an A there, not an f margins I, I got to looking this week just out of curiosity the the amount of paper used I got curious what's what's the amount of paper used in margins every year and I can't find any definite sort of answers to that, but I did find out that globally humankind uses about 400 million tons of paper annually. 400 million tons of paper annually. Now, when I go through my books and and look on Microsoft Word and so forth, I start looking at the average margins on papers that I interact with. I started calculating up this week just for the fun of it. And on average, all the papers that I interacted with this week, almost 30 percent of the page is wasted on the margins. 30% now if if my math is right if that holds true across the globe that means almost well actually over 100 million tons of paper every single year are wasted on nothing but margins margins are interesting things margins are work that's invested but it doesn't always show up on the profits. There's labor, there's energy, there's resource that went into it, but we don't necessarily see the value of the work and the resource that was put into it. Now, farmers, we're talking about farming and sowing and reaping in this series. Farmers, if you've ever been around a farmer, maybe you are a farmer, farmers are some of the most hardworking people that you'll ever meet. I had the privilege growing up of spending one summer, this huckleberry Finn sort of summer for me on an alfalfa and cattle farm in Oregon. I got to go out there, I was about six years old when we spent the summer on the farm, and I'd go out and sit on the farmer's lap and drive his truck, this big old Chevy truck out through the fields out to to put the irrigation pipes out. Since I couldn't see over the dashboard, I'd just drive over the top of the irrigation pipes. Farmers love it when you do that. If you want to make their heart glad, just go drive all over their irrigation equipment. It's it's awesome. Farmers are hardworking people. And I learned that summer out on the farm that farmers get up way before the sun comes up, they're out doing their chores. They're working through the heat of the day, and often they're still working when the sun goes back down at the end of the day. They work long hours, back-breaking work with very little recognition. There's a lot of careers that we celebrate in our culture. There's a lot of things that we look up to and, and highly esteem, maybe doctors and lawyers and, and people that have lots of acronyms after their names, but we don't, we don't hear a lot of public recognition for farmers. Farmers are some of the most frugal people that you'll ever meet. They operate on slim margins. They don't don't necessarily turn a lot of profit for the amount of work that they put into their fields. And they're not the type to waste time or resources. It's not the average farmer that you'll meet. And I got to reading this last week in Leviticus chapter 19. There's a really interesting passage where God is speaking directly to farmers. Did you know God talks to farmers? Hope you know that. God talks to mechanics. God talks to construction workers. And and whatever career you're in, God talks to those kind of people. In Leviticus chapter 19, verses 9 through 10, God is talking to the farmers. And he says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. This is an interesting passage to me. Knowing knowing the mindset, knowing the personality of farmers. God is speaking directly to the farming community and he says, you're going to put in all this work. You're going to irrigate, you're going to cultivate, you're going to plant, you're going to work the field and then you're going to walk right up and harvest this far and you're going to leave that much You're not even going to pick up the gleanings. The gleanings were the the sheaves of wheat and things that would fall as they're reaping the harvest. They they may drop a bundle of wheat or a few stalks of wheat. And he says, don't turn around and go back and pick that up. If you drop it, you just leave it there. Now, that's not how I was taught to work. I've worked a number of different careers. Um, I, I never worked in farming, but I have worked construction. And I'll tell you what, if, if I had a policy that if I drop a piece of African mahogany on the job site, I just leave it there, sorry boss, I dropped that one, I just, no, can't do it, my conscience won't let me, that one's just going to lay there. It wouldn't go over well, I promise you. God's command to the farmers was plant a field, maximize your planting in it, take care of it, cultivate the soil, work the soil, irrigate it, do all the work necessary and then leave some of it in the field without harvesting it. I have to wonder how the farmers reacted when they first heard that. I I can almost imagine the the outrage, the indignation. You want us to do what, God? Do you know how hard we work? And they didn't even have John Deere tractors when this was written. They didn't have electric water pumps and things to move the water around between the fields. They had a a pickaxe and a shovel And maybe a bag over their shoulder, and that's what they worked with. If they're they're fortunate, maybe they have an oxen that they can plow with. But they didn't have the machinery and things that we have to work with today. It was a big deal to cultivate and to work, to plant and to grow, and then to waste it. It's kind of interesting. There's a lot of things that we could probably disagree on. If I start talking with somebody, it it doesn't take long usually to find something I could disagree with. In fact, I can look in the mirror and see things that I disagree with. But there's something that we could probably all agree on is that we hate wasted work. Maybe you like to kill time. That's okay. Maybe you like to kill time. But I doubt that anybody here today would say that I love going out and working hard and sweating and, and scraping up my knuckles and just busting myself to get a project done and then realize that it's all wasted. Do you enjoy that? Anybody want to raise their hand? I, I doubt we have any of those people here today. I had one of those incidents this last week in our house a few weeks ago. and Some of the guys from the church got together and decided to make some home-cured bacon. Several of the guys have participated in that. We, didn't, we had another round of it yesterday. If you missed that, you've got to get signed up for the next one. But there's some work that goes into making bacon. You've got you to gotta prepare the pork belly. If it's got the skin on, you've got to get the skin off. That's not an easy process. You've you got to wash it. You've got to prepare it. You've got you to slice it the right size. You've got to season it. You've got to get the curing salt and everything and prepare it. And then you've got to put it in the fridge for three weeks and remember to flip it over every day to let it finish curing and the salt begins to draw the moisture out and it gets thinner and harder and, and eventually you take it out, you put it in the smoker and oh my Lord, it is glorious when you take that homemade bacon out of the smoker. Anybody hungry yet? So a few weeks back, we went through this process. We cured the, the, uh, the pork belly. I had six slabs of bacon I can get three slabs out of every pork belly. So I got six slabs of bacon curing in my fridge. I'm over there just salivating, looking at these slabs of bacon every day in my fridge. Finally, the day comes, I pull it out and I put it in the smoker and and I've got all different curing recipes and flavors on there that I'm trying on the different slabs. So I got to mark each one and know which one has which flavors so I know which one to do again. I get them out of the smoker and I have them on the counter there to to cool down to put them in the freezer so that it can last a little while. I pulled two of them out so that I could refrigerate those and use them. I was up late working that night and I go and put the other four in the freezer. And the next evening, my wife comes to me. She goes, "Um, honey, were you gonna use that bacon today? I said, what bacon? She said, "Uh, uh, this bacon here. And she holds up the two slabs still sitting out on my countertop. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What came out of my mouth was very Christian, I assure you came out of my mouth, was very Christian, but there was a little bit of frustration and turmoil going on inside about wasted work. Nobody likes to waste work. Here's the interesting thing about margins is that we look at margins often as being a waste. The edges of those fields, the farmers that God was talking to probably saw that as wasted work when he first began speaking to them. But the truth is, margins are an investment. They're not waste. Margins are an investment. There are seasons in my life that I've been working hard and, and just busting in and, and overtime and extra hours. I'm maximizing the profits and taking on side jobs and just doing everything I can to get ahead. And there's nothing happening. I'm not gaining any progress. I'm not going anywhere. Why? Because I didn't have any margin. And so when life throws something unexpected at me, it doesn't even have to be anything big, but I'm already living past my margins, and so the smallest hiccup just throws a monkey wrench into the whole thing. This last week I was heading out to the Veterans Cemetery for a memorial service and right as I came to the entrance of Kua Bay, traffic's flowing along at 60 miles an hour and suddenly a car comes out from Kua Bay and just turns right into the lane of traffic. Came about that close to getting clipped by a car doing almost 70 miles an hour in front of me. And I watched the, the driver react and just yank the wheel suddenly and pull the car over on the side and fortunately everybody survived. They, were, they, they didn't actually collide but it would have been really bad except for one thing. There's a margin on the edge of the road. See, margins are useless in dead space. It's, it's a waste until it's needed. God's command was leave a margin. Now, let's read the whole verse because I cut off the end of it there. If we go back to Leviticus 19 verse 9... He says when you reap the harvest of your land you shall not reap your field right up to its edge neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. Why is that God? You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. There was a plan, there was a purpose there for the margin that God told them to leave. It was, it was intended to allow them to bless those in their community that needed a little help. It was intended for them to help the immigrants, the refugees, the people coming across their borders that, that didn't have the resources and the comforts of home. They were, as a community, commanded by God to leave a margin to provide for those who needed help. The problem living without margin is that not only does my life begin to fall apart without margin, but I lose my ability to bless those around me. Have you ever noticed that? I lose the ability to be a conduit of God's blessing. If I leave no margin in my day, if my calendar is booked full and I have no time in between appointments and I pass that single parent mom on the side of the road who's run out of gas, I've cost myself the ability to be a blessing and to fill her tank with gas. If I leave no margin in my life, I don't have the capacity to be there for a friend who's going through a crisis. If I leave no margin in my budget, I don't give myself the capacity to help the person who needs a hand this week. Why? Because I I don't have any margin in my life. God's command is leave a margin to be able to help those around you. Now, here's the interesting thing about that is if God commands us to leave a margin at the edge of the field to be a blessing to those who need help, then there's an implication there that's not really stated in the text. See, if I'm going to leave the margin there for others, God doesn't say leave the margin at the edge of your field unless it hasn't rained in a little while. Then you can reap right up to the edge of your field. If you've had a bad year and your crop is a little less than normal, then that's okay. You can, you can gather those gleanings. You can reap right up to the edge of your field. God doesn't say that. He says, leave the margin at the edge of your field. What that means is, I've got to leave the margin there to help others, and then I've got to build in some margin in my own life so that when things aren't going quite as I expected, I'm not eating into the margin that God has commanded me to leave for those around me. Margins inside of margins. It's like margin inception. If you ever watched that movie, a dream in a dream, nobody, that's okay. In our opening scripture, second Corinthians chapter nine, God said that he would supply seed to the sower and bread for food. How does he do that? Through the harvest. This is how God supplies the seed to be sown and also bread for us to eat is through the harvest that we reap. And that means that the harvest that I reap has to be larger than the bread that I eat or else I don't have seed to plant. Somebody came up to me after service last week. They said, you missed one. I said, I did what? They said, you missed one. Your rules about gardening, you missed one. The most important rule of all, don't eat your seed. I said, well, there it is. I'm not a farmer. But thank you. Don't eat your seed. See, if you eat your entire harvest, you have no seed to plant next year. By next year, you are no longer a farmer. You're a landowner, but you're no longer a farmer. If we have any business owners here, then you know the necessity of investing in your business. You know this necessity of not not writing a paycheck to yourself 100% of your profits because your business will inevitably fail if you do that. Maybe not this week, maybe not next, but you got to leave a margin in your life. In our life today, it honors God when we leave a margin. And the frustrating thing is there's only two ways to do that. If you ever been through the Dave Ramsey class, you know in advance what it is. You earn more or you spend less. This is the only way that we can build margin in our life. If you're a farmer, you've got to either plant more or use less of the seed that you harvest. In your finances, you either earn more or you spend less. Maybe uninstall Amazon from off your phone. In your time, and your schedule, you can't create more, so what, what, what's your only option? You've got to learn to use what you have more wisely, more efficiently. You've got to build margin into your life, and there's no easy or quick way to do this, but God didn't say it was going to be easy or quick. He just said, build margin into your life. And he won't command us to follow his principles without giving us a way to accomplish it. I was talking with a business owner this last week who needs some margin in his life. And he he seemed just a little bit bashful, almost a little bit ashamed when I brought this topic up. And I knew that he needed a little more margin because he was trying to undercut himself to help me. And I said, no, 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 we're we're not going to do that. I said, I care about you and I care about this business and I need your services again next month. So to make sure I can employ your services next month, you're not going to undercut yourself this month. You're going to build some margin in here. If you're a business owner, do not be ashamed of building margin into your business. Profits allow you to operate in a way which blesses others. You can't bless somebody out of what you don't have in your life in your family budget. If you're living paycheck to paycheck, you're eating your seed. You're not leaving seed to sow for the next crop. And you can't deal with the speed bumps, the hiccups in life. You can't, you can't benefit fully from your harvest if you don't leave some margin. You can't help those around you if there's no margin in your life. In a couple of months, we're going to be running the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University class again. This is the thing that made a difference in our home. You wonder why I mention Dave Ramsey so often is this was my wife and I when we first got married. We were living paycheck to paycheck. In fact, we were living a little bit past paycheck to paycheck when we first got married. But we learned some principles that taught us, you know what, it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be easy, but you can begin to take the steps to build margin in your life. It's allowed us to be there, to help people around us. It's allowed us to be a blessing the way that God wanted our family to be. For the married couples here, just a heads up to all the guys, Valentine's Day is coming up right after the big football game, just a reminder. If you want to really impress your spouse this year, I got a real easy way to do it. Um, Go ahead, do the roses if you want to, but build some margin in your schedule. I promise you, it will be noticed and it will be appreciated. Build margin into your schedule so that you can be there for your family. In your walk with God, don't wait until you have time to study God's word. Create some margin. If you're scraping by on just the minimum spiritual nutrition that it takes to get you through your week to survive until the next Sunday, you're not creating any margin. You're not, you're not going to be able to be there for the people that need you to be there for them in their life. How do you create some margin? I'll tell you a great place to start in your spiritual walk is show up for soap journaling this week. We had almost 30 people this last week across the different soap journaling classes that we're, that we're doing. Or not classes, groups. Soap journaling groups. We had almost 30 people from this church family showed up this last week to dig into God's word. What are they doing? They're building margin into their walk with God Thought number two for you, if you're taking notes, boundaries keep me healthy. Boundaries keep me healthy. How many of y'all have flown over farmland in an airplane? Anybody experienced that before? We got a, a picture here that we can put up. This is a place that many of you may not recognize. It all sort of looks the same. This is just outside of a little town called Hastings, Nebraska, where I lived for five years when I was growing up. This is what farmland looks like from the air. Farmland is really interesting because it's identified, you can, you can clearly identify it from far away by the boundaries. It's really interesting. The boundaries, the lines of separation, the, the points of demarcation between one field and the next. And if you like corn, this is a great place to visit. Just put in a plug for them right now. Tourism industry is booming. Here's the interesting thing about, Mar- uh, about boundaries. People who don't have them are uncomfortable with people having them. Have you ever noticed that? If somebody in your life doesn't like the fact that you have boundaries, it probably means that they have none, and so they don't really know how to interact with yours in a healthy way. Your neighbor that has a fence probably won't complain if you put up a fence. It's the guy who doesn't have a fence and his dogs are running all through your yard and doing other things in your yard that might have an issue if you put up a fence. But boundaries are necessary and vital. Even though they're necessary, many of us are not that great at defining and maintaining them. Deuteronomy chapter 19 is kind of interesting. Deuteronomy chapter 19 verse 14 says this, You shall not move your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set, in the inheritance that you will hold in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall not move it. Down in Deuteronomy 27, verse 17, the, the verbiage is even a little bit more harsh. He says, Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark, and all the people shall say, Amen. That's that's pretty strong, that's pretty harsh. What's the landmark that he's talking about? That's the boundary in between fields. It's, it's the line that marks your inheritance that you receive from your father from my inheritance that I receive from my father. This is a big deal to maintain the boundaries, especially in a, in a society that doesn't have GPS and surveyors out there with satellite equipment. Don't move the ancient boundaries. Here in Hawaii... If you drive down the highway, you look up at the mountainside someday and and you can see it pretty clearly just north of Kona here. You look up on the mountainside and you'll see these these stone fences stretching long, long ways up the mountainside. What are they? They're they're the boundary markers between the Ahupua'a. Did I say that correctly? Somebody tell me. They're the boundary markers. It's the line of demarcation between what, what belongs to this group, this family, and these folks over here. It's a boundary marker. Boundaries are the lines between my inheritance, my influence, and my interests. I think we have a slide we can put up here. Boundaries are the lines between my inheritance, my influence, and my interests. What's my inheritance? That's the thing that I own, that I have control over. But I don't just have control over it, I have responsibility for it. Each tribe in Israel received an inheritance the sons of Jacob, when they came into the promised land, God defined the boundaries of the inheritance that they were to receive and there was a there was a, a way that it was passed down from father to eldest son through their culture and so there was there was something received by each generation and it was prized, it was treasured, it was, it was guarded closely. You don't come and mess with my inheritance. That's my inheritance that I received from my father. This is a big deal if you mess with somebody's inheritance. The inheritance in your life, that's going to be the things that are smallest maybe in size and number. The fewest things in your life will be the things that you have the direct control over and responsibility for. That's your inheritance. Your influence, that's where you have some degree of input but you don't have control and you have limited or no responsibility. This might be your neighbor. You have some, intre- some influence in what happens. If, if they're, you know, throwing rocks over the fence, you might have some influence to tell their kid to quit doing that. But you really have no control. You also have no responsibility over their property, over their land. That's their inheritance. Your interests, on the other hand, that just means it's something on your mind. It's something you're thinking about, you're, you're contemplating it, maybe it, it could even keep you awake at night, but you have no control, you have no influence, and you also have no responsibility in that particular situation. These are your interests. For a lot of us, probably we see that the most on the news. I can look at all the headlines from across the world at all the things going on, it may weigh on my mind, it may be a terrible tragedy happening, it may be something worth... Pursuing a solution for, but I have no control, I have no influence, and the simple truth is, I often also have no responsibility. But I have an interest. The problems start when we confuse each of these. See, if you misunderstand what your inheritance is, if you don't know where the boundaries are in your inheritance, then it's really easy to drop the ball and let somebody else take control of your inheritance if you don't realize that that's the thing that you're responsible for. It's easy to exert control or try to exert control. It's easy to get really frustrated And sacrifice the relationships around us trying to control the things that I haven't realized I have no control over. I only have a limited degree of influence. That's somebody else's inheritance. And if I confuse that, boy, relationships can go sour really quick. I can I can live with a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety in my life trying to control the things that are not mine to control. It's not my inheritance. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 17 says this in the New Living Translation. I I love the way this is phrased. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. That's deep. It actually is. We can laugh because of the mental image that it sort of conjures, but I don't know if you've ever tried it. I don't suggest that you test this hypothesis after church. It's not going to turn out well for you. But see, the problem is if I think that this thing is my inheritance and I start trying to exert control over it, it's going to turn and bite me somewhere along the line because that's not my inheritance. That's somebody else's responsibility. I can lose sleep. I can get stressed, I can develop an ulcer, and I can even have my faith in God shaken, stressing out about the things that I don't even have an influence over. It's merely an interest. Boundaries are a decision that you make in advance about what you're going to do. I got this one backward for a long time. I thought boundaries were the line that I didn't let people cross. Boundaries really are just a decision ahead of time of what I'm going to do. See, if somebody comes and breaks down the door of my home to attack my family, I know in advance I've made the decision of what I'm going to do. I'm not going to tell you what that is, but I've decided ahead of time. I hope it's not one of you. But I've decided ahead of time. This is the boundary right here. This is the decision of what I'm going to do to protect my family. A request is the no trespassing sign on the edge of my property. That's the difference between a boundary and a request. A request is just you telling somebody else, here's what I want you to do. And so we put up our no trespassing sign there at the edge of the property. That's, that's not a boundary. That's a request. Now, if somebody violates that request and they decide to go and do their own thing, now my boundary is the thing that kicks in. And now my decision that I've made in advance is what I do. If I have a lack of boundaries then my time becomes wasted trying to control the things that are not mine to control. My stress becomes overwhelming trying to carry somebody else's responsibility. The farmers that God was speaking to in the Old Testament, he said don't move the ancient boundary. Why why did he say that? Well, for one because it's not yours. It's not yours to control. It's not yours to glean. It's not yours to harvest from. That's theirs. But it also means that if I'm putting my energy, I'm pouring my heart into this thing over here, then my own field may be turning into a pile of weeds. Why? Because that's not my inheritance. We're going to end just a little bit sooner than normal today, but I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you speaking to me today? See, the Lord of the harvest has plans for your life. He wants you to live an abundant and bountiful life. He didn't intend for you to just barely scrape by in agony your entire life and not be able to do the things that he called you to do. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's called every single one of us to be a multimillionaire. If you find that in Scripture, I'd love to see that because I'd, I'd love to... to live out that destiny in my life. But it doesn't mean that he's necessarily called us to do that. But there's a harvest to which he's called you. There's a field to which he's called you. There's a field that's an inheritance for you to sow and reap. And he's called you to be fruitful in that thing that he's called you to do, to benefit not only you and your family, but also his kingdom and the people around you. Maybe you found yourself in that place of working sunup to sundown and and busting yourself and taking on side jobs and extra hours and and realizing that there's no profit because you have no margin in your life that was me in 2018 some of you were here when I took a little over a year off from ministry I had I found myself in a place that there was no margin in my spiritual walk There was no margin in my schedule. There was no margin in my marriage or in my family. And I found myself working harder and harder and and just getting more and more stressed and more and more toxic, more and more unhealthy. Why? Because I had no margin left in my life. No margin left to bless others. That's not the existence for which God created you. That's not the life that he wants you to live. He didn't create you to become so consumed by your own lack that you're unable to benefit the kingdom around you. God may be telling you today, it's time to widen your margins. It may not be an easy process. In my life, that meant I had to I had to step back from a lot of things that I loved, a lot of things that I wanted to pour my heart into, but I had to take some time and say, okay, God, as much as I want to look at all the problems around me causing these issues in my life, it's time to take a little peek in the mirror and say, okay, what do I need to change? what needs to change in my heart and the way that I'm living my life that you can create some margin in me to be there for those that you've called me to minister to. Maybe you've struggled with boundaries in your life. Maybe you're in a place that you've let others take control over your inheritance. People will do that, even very well-meaning people. Maybe it's time to repair your fences. Maybe it's time to to decide ahead of time what you're going to do next time they try to exert some control over the inheritance here in your life. Maybe you're in a place that that you're realizing you've been trying to exercise control over somebody else's inheritance. Again, maybe with all the best intentions, maybe in the sincerity of your heart, you want to be there and help the people around you and so well let me show you how to do that. I'm I'm just going to step over into your field and and do this so that I can show you how it's done. That's their inheritance. Maybe you need to survey the boundaries of your inheritance one more time. Figure out where that line is so that you can stop trying to tend the field of the person next door. Maybe you're here today and and you found yourself living in a season of fear and turmoil. Maybe, Maybe your life has become consumed by the things that weigh on your mind but you have no control or influence over. I was talking with somebody just this last week. He said, you know what? I think I need to scale back how much I watch the news. I said, right on. Be informed about the world. Don't be ignorant. I don't think as, as followers of Christ, there's any excuse to be ignorant. But if you find that, that you have become so consumed by the things that you have no influence over, that it's costing you your spiritual and emotional health, you need to create some margin." You need to understand, okay, this thing may be an interest, but I have no influence, and it's definitely not my inheritance. You know the, the amazing thing about all this? When you, when you realize who the Lord of the harvest is, then you have to realize, you know what? I don't have control over that thing. Maybe I have some influence, but I don't have control. But the Lord of the harvest is still the Lord of, of that harvest, When I see on the news all the terrible things happening around the world, and an invasion here and an attack here and and legislation there and corruption here, and what do I do, God? Well, there's nothing that you can do but turn it over to the Lord of the harvest because he's still the Lord of, of that field also. There's only one Lord of the harvest. It's time to let him play the role that he's called to play in the situation. He's got somebody else tending that field. That's his job. So how do you change your interaction? You decide to trust the Lord of the harvest. Maybe you're listening today and, or joining us online and, and you've maybe begun to realize that there's no margin in your life in any capacity. Maybe fan, financially or emotionally or even spiritually and you don't even know if you know who the Lord of the harvest is. Maybe that's you, and and you're realizing there's some things that need to change in your life if you're going to reap the harvest that you need to reap. That conversation with the Lord of the harvest starts real easy. It starts by acknowledging that he exists, that you aren't the Lord of the harvest. Then it starts with a conversation that sounds something like this. God, I don't know you, but I want to. And I'm acknowledging you as the Lord of the harvest, there's things that I don't have control over, God, but, but I believe that you do. And so I'm asking you to forgive me for the things that I've done that aren't pleasing to you, the way that I've tended my field, maybe doing it my way instead of yours. I'm asking you to forgive me for my sin. And I'm inviting you to be the Lord of my harvest, to be the Lord of my life. And I'm choosing today to trust you that you're not only the Lord of the harvest in my life, but you're Lord over the harvest in the things that I have no control over. And Starting today, I'm going to choose to trust you and, and walk in your steps. If that's you, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, I want to talk with you after service. Shoot me a message online. Get a hold of me somehow. We want to walk with you on this journey. we got a baptism coming up on the 28th. That's, that's next Sunday evening. Let's walk with you on this journey because there's a harvest that God created you to reap in your life. I don't know what it is. He'll make it plain to you. He's uniquely gifted and suited you to exactly the harvest that he's called you to plant. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the principles from your word. Thank you for the wisdom that we can glean for the journey. Thank you for loving us enough to confront the things that need to be confronted. And Lord, Help each one of us this week, I pray, to understand where we need to build a little bit more margin into our life, to be who you created us to be, to to bless those that you've called us to bless, to be responsible for the things that you've called us to be responsible for. Help us to understand what our inheritance is in you, the things that are not only under our control, but also our responsibility. And I pray, Lord, in each of our lives, when we've overstepped that boundary, bring us back on track. Help us not to neglect the things that we truly are responsible for in you. But also help us not to try to exert control over things that we just need to let you be the Lord over in somebody else's inheritance. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and for your word that guides us. And I pray that you continue to to lead us closer to you. Thank you again for tuning in today. We pray that this message encourages you and equips you as we build the necessary margins in our lives starting today so that as 1 Corinthians 9 says, we may be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Be blessed and we'll see you next week.